surviving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 119. And we almost had our music back. We almost got it. I've been messing with this for the last hour, and 5 o'clock Eastern time came, and we're still without music. But I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Clayton. Um, he was uh, uh, helping me here. Uh, Clayton is an employee of uh, the Voyagers Community School, who we're going to meet today. We are going to meet Karen Jeffrey, who is the founding director of the Voyagers Community School in New Jersey. What an amazing story. Started a school from scratch. I'm so excited to hear the story. Uh, they're in a, a, a historic building there in Jersey, and, and we're going to hear from Karen in just a moment. I'm really excited to have her on. Uh, it is show number 119, and it's a rainy day up here in the Northeast. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Bigelow Tea. Uh, I am a, a lemon ginger guy and certainly like the lemon ginger in the afternoon. I want to thank Bigelow for the selection of teas that they set. And uh, as school leaders, it helps you calm. It helps your throat. Uh, it helps a lot of things. So cheers, everyone, and thanks to Bigelow. Uh, next, I do want to share uh, my book study is coming up here. Uh, that is through SANYS, uh, S-A-A-N-Y-S. That's the School Administrators Association of New York State. Um, you can register at SANYS, and it's coming up here at the beginning of April. I'm really excited about it. Uh, the principles, surviving and thriving. And I've never done a book study before, right? So what a great way to share and learn with other ed educators. Uh, so that registration is going to be closing uh, here in mid-March. Uh, so get registered at sanies.org. Um, for the second week in, a, a week in a row, I have changed my opening segment. You know, if you're an educator, if you're anywhere really in the, in the world, you've heard about this coronavirus and kind of the media frenzy and people getting nervous. And, and here in New York, uh, the governor has dispatched the National Guard uh, to the New Rochelle area. And it's just kind of got everyone's attention, right? So how do we as school leaders calm people? How do we reassure people that we're doing everything we can and doing the right thing to protect kids and, and uh, making decisions that are good for everyone, right? What do you cancel? What are you still allowing? Things like that. So just a couple of tips. Number one, it's great to communicate. As school leaders, whether you're doing videos, uh, the auto calls home, uh, email blasts, but get that word out. You as the school leader, Right. And, and big ones like this, a lot of times it's the superintendent or the founding director. We're going to ask Karen about this as well. But what can you do to increase communication? So certainly get the word out. Number two, taking action. Right. You have to take action when there are uh, things. Ensure parents what you are doing. In this case, many school districts, including mine here in Port Jervis. Right. The cleaning of the school, uh, the cleaning of the germs, the wiping down of the surfaces and the counters and the handles, all that kind of stuff uh, are being done. Uh, lastly, what is the guidance from, you know, the governing body? Right. In this case, it's the Department of Health. Right. What are they advising? And a lot of school districts, again, including Port Jervis, are exceeding that, going above what the recommendations are uh, for the for the people. So these things happen uh, in schools. They happen in our world, right? And and I, I like to say, managing major moments. They're they're big events. They need leadership. They need communication, and they need authenticity from school leaders. And and this coronavirus, hopefully, is going to go away sometime soon. But it certainly has our attention. Um, and, and, you know, it needs that attention. So as school leaders, 
let's continue to communicate to our parents, our community, our students to reassure them of, of the good things that are happening and what you're doing in these type of situations. So that being said, let's meet uh, Karen. Let me get this right here. Here we go. Let's meet Karen uh, Jeffrey. Here she comes. And here she is, the founding director of uh, Voyagers Community School. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Karen. Love love the opportunity. Thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really I want to give your guy Clayton there. Worked with me for 45 minutes trying to get yeah. this sound. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Um, and Karen, before we hear the story of Voyagers, and I'm excited, you know, you heard me just talk about managing major moments and communication in times of uh, things like the coronavirus. Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on that in terms of leading in these type times? Yeah. So I think, uh, as you pointed out, the communication is essential and honesty and authenticity is where it's at. So um, here we have been, um, we, we write through the platform Remind that most of us, uh, many schools use. Uh, we mm -hmm. Seesaw with parents. We greet our children outside every morning uh, before they walk into the building, and we and we say goodbye every evening. Our parents pull up. We don't have transportation, so parents are driving, and so we have an opportunity on that pull-up line to have a chat with them and talk to them about what's going on at school, answer some of their questions. But lately, we've been depending on video. So I've been recording short videos. Yesterday I sat outside on my patio, very casual, and talked about um, what we're doing in the school in terms of the coronavirus and also about a fundraiser that we have coming up. And that seems to really um, speak to them about a minute and a half to two minutes tops. And yeah. you get a lot of impact. Uh, and it's it's real. feels real. And yeah, it I, th I think the videos are helpful. People like looking at short videos. So kudos to you. Uh, for showing that leadership. Uh, and Karen, you're the founding director of Voyagers Community School. You know, tell us this journey. Huh? Who who starts a school? Like, how, how did this happen? <laughs> Only those who don't know what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm so excited to hear your story. Uh, you know, I have, um, I, I was driven in part the, the more obvious answer is I was driven driven by my children. So I have uh, children, I have three children, uh, the first one and the next two are 10 years apart. And so I get to do it again. So children don't come with a manual, right? But sometimes hmm. you get to practice for a while before you have the next one and the next one. So uh, my my eldest son was uh, went to school in a, in a lovely community with a small school where parents were, were very, uh, some feeling almost of a private school, but in reality, the 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 um, content, the the circumstances, the design of the school, the structure of delivery in terms of curriculum was the same as just any traditional school. Private, public doesn't matter. Um, but he just didn't thrive in that environment. And no matter how much uh, I spoke to teachers, no matter how I involved I was, you know, as classroom parent, I was. PTO treasurer, PTO co-president, I did all those things. He just became increasingly, uh, felt increasingly demoralized, mm. uh, less than, um, uh, unintelligent, uninspired, and ultimately angry. Uh, mm. and, and here was this beautiful person, uh, polite, precocious, smart, but somehow the way he learned and the way he communicated his understanding 
in this traditional setting was not working. So when I had the chance, the opportunity to think about education for the next two, and they're five months apart, my children are adopted, so they're five months apart. Uh, I, I thought there has to be a better way. And I took a tour of all of the preschools in the surrounding uh, towns, uh, my own included. Uh, and, I, and I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I knew that I wanted to find a place where children were excited, engaged, um, and were in a sense, a part of the team. Uh, in learning, and and I think that comes from from my background uh, as a young person of always kind of being a teacher. So whether it was dance lessons, or it was leading fitness classes, or it was developing uh, a curriculum, a cross curriculum uh, package called Physical Best for educate phys ed educators around the country. I was always a teacher, and always at the core was what what's best for children, what's working for children. Um, I taught six sex six. Fifth, sixth, and eighth grade social studies. Say that quick, Rita. Yeah, yeah. But nobody wanted to teach, but I got to teach it, and I taught in a very active and engaged way. You know, busiest, loudest classroom in the school. That wasn't that didn't always make me popular, but for the children, it was very meaningful. So I went out looking, and I found this amazing uh, school called A Child's Place in Lincroft, New Jersey. I I always give them a shout out because they certainly deserve it. Uh, and but the school only went to first grade. Mm. So I became very uh, close to the director and she shared a great deal of her research, her thinking, the books that inspired her. And I read these books and I read a particular book called I Learned from Children by Caroline Pratt. Caroline Pratt was the founder of City and Country School in Manhattan. And she truly and respected children. And that's what I felt in this school. And that's what I wanted for my children. And every day they would come out of school excited to tell me all the wonderful things that they did and what they learned and how they might have done well with a friend or struggled with a friend or what their teacher said or what they said to their teacher. But there was this very lively conversation at the age of three and all the way through first grade. So I said to the director, grow the school. Let's grow the school. I'll help you grow the school. And she said, I, you know, I'm thinking about retirement, Karen. I'm not, I'm not looking to grow a school. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll start a school. And that's simply the way it went down. It was just, I'll start a school. And uh, I, I never looked back. I never looked back. And so did you jump on that school or did you, you started your brand new own school? Did yeah, you take so, that one over? That's right. So I started my own school. So I decided that uh, what you needed to start a school was a vision statement. I had done a lot of reading, as I said, so I needed a vision statement. So the first thing I did was I drew up this vision statement, which is still a vision statement to this day. If you go on our website, you'll find our vision statement. Uh, and then I thought, okay, so now I need some credentials. And my background at that time, I had a degree in political science and communications. I had graduate work in, um, in exercise physiology. And I thought, I'll get a master's in education, but where am I going to do that? Because the only reason I'm doing that is so that I can open a school and the sc and a school needs a philosophical foundation yeah. as well. So I went to Goddard college up in Plainfield, Vermont, and I enrolled in their education, their master's program in education with partnership. And I went in the first round and it was a distance learning program and, and you go up for seven or eight days and then you work for, 
about 14 weeks, you go back again. Um, I went up and I and I proclaimed that I was there for one with one purpose, that when I left, I would write a thesis and that thesis would be the philosophical foundation for the school. And if I couldn't do that, I wasn't gonna spend my money there. I would just spend it opening the school. And so that's what I did. Uh, they they at first were thought I was a little, you know, off my rocker. Um, but <laughs> you can I, say crazy. It's okay. <laughs> I was lucky. I was lucky that I met uh, the the uh, director of the program who said to me, uh, "We can make this happen. Let's let's write it out." I remember she had a long legal size yellow pad, and let's write it all out. Let's figure it out. And went to my advisor and said, "We can make this happen." And so, I spent eighteen months studying. I, I love to write and I love to research. I wrote a massive volume of research uh, around progressive education and education in general, in particular philosophical leaders and, um, and practitioners. And I traveled around the country and went to lots of progressive schools and I went to Italy and I went to the Reggio Emilia schools and, and had wonderful mentors along the way and you know people Taylor Gatton and Ron Miller and Alfie Cohen and um, uh, Jerry Mintz and you know just some really really good thinkers in this field and ultimately wrote the philosophical foundation for the school. It's amazing, you know, your, the vision that you had, right? It like came to you, and it just it's fantastic to hear this vision and that you took action upon it. So, Karen, here you're running Voyager School now, and you have it. Yeah. What are some of the, the challenges, like you yep. must have had a million challenges getting this started. Yep. So it's 16 years old now. I started it in 2004. Uh, and the first iteration of it was that, and I actually started a little bit earlier than I thought I would, because as it turned out, my children left that school at Cloud's Place and they went off to another school. Uh, and I was hopeful that they would settle in and things would do go well for them. But mm -hmm. in actuality, my daughter was not connecting uh, around the philosophical foundation of that school. My son was doing okay, my daughter not so much. And so I had to take her out early. Now, I'm not really a proponent of homeschooling because I think that children need other children and they need the, the thoughts and ideas to vary greatly for them to figure out who they are. So here I was sitting at my kitchen island with my daughter and we were homeschooling. What am I doing? I, I, what, how did this happen? So I said, you know what? I'm going to start Voyagers early. So I started it as a um, learning center in the first year. On Mondays and Wednesdays, we went to this church, their community room in their kitchen. And out of my van came sewing machines and robotics and Legos and pots and pans and, and uh guidebooks to national parks around the country, whatever the children were interested in, I had in that van and I would unload it. We'd, we'd do our day on Monday. We'd load it back into the van. If I was lucky, I didn't need the van for the, till, till uh, Wednesday and I'd unload the van out to the school, do it again, put it in the van, come home, unload it into the garage so that I could have use of my van <laughs> till the next Monday. Uh, and we did this for a year. Uh, knowing that we would open full time the next year. The biggest, one of the biggest issues I encountered up front, which I never anticipated, was the physical space. Because what I came to learn very quickly is in uh, the munici municipalities here, a private school needs 10 to 15 acres. 10 to 15 acres is very expensive. 
Mm -hmm. Very hard to find because it also can't be in a residential area, you know, it's particular areas. And uh, so the so where to open was an issue. The only places that you could open is something that had already been a school, a church, um, or or existed in the service of children, but not 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 like in a strip mall or something like that. So uh, I was using this church and that was working, but then the church was fairly conservative and they thought, oh, we don't want these children here. You know, children cause trouble, just gonna go. We don't, we don't want them here. And so I had to move the school into my garage and we had summer in my garage and I couldn't find a place to be. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to have the school in my house. And uh, we existed that way for a year uh, under the guise of a learning center because you couldn't have a school in your home. So there was that challenge. And we moved several times. We were lucky to, we have a Girl Scout property here at Camp Sacagawea in Howell, New Jersey. It's 43 acres. They had some open space. We were there for about five years. They're on 143 acres. And so wow. the children would come in in the morning. We, we love the outdoors and outdoors was a tremendous component of our program. So the children would come in in the morning and we'd walk the path all the way through the camp and back to our space uh, every day. And we'd spent a great deal of time outdoors. Uh, and then uh, after that, we bought a building that had been a church and had been a preschool. And so we stayed there for a while, but it was only 3000 square feet and township wasn't really cooperating with me in terms of putting an addition on this building. And then I got lucky. And as you say, I'm in this historic building. Uh, it was the Fred Steelman um, School in Eatontown, New Jersey. It's 18,000 uh, square feet. It's beautiful brick, at, you know, just what you would imagine an old school to be. Uh, we were able, it had been boarded up for about 10 years. Oh my goodness. We renovated it in, I, I oversaw a renovation in five and a half months. Everything from the street in is new. Everything, the pipes, the wires, the, you know, everything. The only things that we saved and we're proud of saving is we saved all of the original wood floors. We saved all of the wood that we had to take down anywhere uh, and reuse that for furniture. So in fact, the table that this uh, my computer is on is this beautiful table with reclaimed wood from the building. Mm. There's a table that we can all sit at. Um, and we kept the exposed brick. And we kept the, the big openings of the windows. Many of the architects that I talked to said, oh, make the windows smaller, be more efficient, and so on and so forth. But we truly believe that natural light and bringing the outside in, in a sense, is important. So we have 123 tremendous windows that bring in sunlight and see the rain and let us see. And it's fabulous. We have open, we have no ceilings, we have open rafters. So the children can see all the wiring coming in, all the plumbing, uh, and it's real. They get, like, how does that electricity get to that switch? They can see all the wiring. You know, we flush the toilet and we can hear the water. And so mm. the building itself is a teacher. So, wow. yeah, pretty fascinating. It's amazing to hear you describe the detail and, again, the vision to have this uh, for your students. So how you know now like recruiting teachers and 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 advertising for students right we met clayton before the show here yeah. he's one of your marketing people but how do you how do you get the word out i mean you're doing a podcast today right uh, tell me about recruiting students and teachers yeah so in the early years that was a challenge particularly to recruit uh well either way but but to recruit teachers was a bit of a challenge because the fear was you're new how do i know i'm gonna have a job in a year or three years mm -hmm. or 
you know, so that that was a bit of a challenge. Uh, we're fortunate in New Jersey not to have to have certified teachers in our classrooms, which frankly works works to our favor because we don't teach in traditional ways, and so we don't want to undo necessarily what's been taught to uh, teachers. But we uh, we began advertising. The first employee was my brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law is an is amazing wood craftsman. He's he's a leader in technology. He was going around the country and he was training people in corporate in the corporate world. And um, he decided that he wanted to stay home and he wanted to be with his son. And uh, he has a wonderful mathematical mind, scientific thinking. And I said to him, why don't you come work for me? And so he came and he worked for me originally part-time and then eventually full-time. He still works here today. Uh, so that was our first teacher. And then we had a young woman who had been trained as a theater arts uh, major, but was a real thinker, you just a deep thinking. And that's what's important, right? So we're looking for people who are deep thinkers, who take joy in being with children and see them to some degree as equals uh, in, in the fact that, you know, a child can teach you, you can teach a child. And uh, a child has much to say. They may not say it with the finesse that you would like them to say it with, but they have much to say. And if you can embrace those things, then, uh, you know, in the early years, that, that, was, that was a good candidate for teaching. Uh, all, the, all the things about philosophy and approach and so on and so forth could be, could be trained, could, you know, could pro provide professional development and in examples. At that time, I was very much a teacher as well. Uh, so that's how we started out. And students that we recruited, we just, it was a word of mouth. It was a word of mouth, you know, the first year there was seven, the next year there was 17, the year after that, I think there was around 30, maybe we went to 36, we had a little bit of a hiccup in that period from 36 to 50, and before we knew it, we were at 63, and we've been as, as many as 88 students. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We would like to be at 130, that's our sweet spot, and that's what we're shooting for, 130 students. And you and I talked a little bit uh, when we first met about, you know, your alumni that are graduating, right? Do you, are they a resource for you in terms of recruiting as well as opportunities for your current students? In two ways, but I, I think in general, word of mouth is, we, we, so word of mouth is very important. And in the early years, word of mouth was it, right? And then we became um, more savvy as to our website, as to our marketing and branding. Um, and now we're very involved, as you say, in podcasts and social media, um, I write a great deal. I have a blog. Um, I write articles. Uh, I will make appearances. So now marketing is is quite different. Uh, right. But yes, the fact of the matter is that our alumni are important because our alumni, first of all, give us you know the credibility to some degree. We have a hundred percent acceptance in colleges around the country, four-year colleges. Uh, the likes of University of Delaware, Rutgers University, Oberlin, Pratt Institute, Embry-Riddle. I mean, I can go on and on and on. We have banners hanging all over our high school showing all the schools that the children have been accepted into. And uh, proudly, 100% offers of academic scholarship. Wow. We have one student applied to eight colleges. She's been accepted to seven of the eight. We're waiting on the last one. But she's, I think she's made her first choice and probably will go to um, Hawaii Pacific. So that's a big deal. Uh, we have a student who, two students have been accepted at Full Sail University down in Florida. Very, mm -hmm. very excited about that. Mm -hmm. One is an illustrator um, and uh, an animator, and the other is very involved in music. 
uh, and in all cases, and there's other various and sundry other colleges, but in all cases, they've received these tremendous scholarships, academic scholarships. And so for a lot of people, that's where, where, where they see the validity, right? And what the alumni do thereafter is important. But the other piece that I think is very important is that we believe very much in mentorship. We believe that the world around us teaches us. And so we have our students very engaged in the outside world, uh, looking for mentors for their ideas, for their projects, um, for the things that they're studying. Our children are amazing communicators. They articulate their ideas very effectively because they speak to, to adults every day here at school. And we speak to them as if they're adults. And so when we take our children out into the world, we almost inevitably get a note back saying, oh my gosh, your children are so impressive. They're such thinkers or they're such good communicators or they really seem to care. You know, we get those sorts of reactions. That's the best advertisement ever. That's the best marketing tool is to take your children out into the world and let people interact with them. Yeah. And Karen, with the size and what you're explaining, you know, I think they they take their cue from their, their director here, but <laughs> these kids that are into the music or the kids that are into the drawing, can they have the opportunity to focus more on that because of maybe some of the freedoms that they have in the school? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are very invested in the whole child. We're very invested in, in enabling them to explore the ideas and the skills that they would like to explore and in some cases really hone in on. Uh, so music, theater, uh, STEAM. So a lot of people call it STEM. We call it STEAM because we feel like art is very much a part of technology. Uh, these are all important pieces. So our children writing, we have lots of writers, and then we have children who write well and illustrate, so we'll teach them animation. Um, they really have time to dig into these, these sorts of studies and to communicate their learning through these different skills. So for instance, we were just talking, we were talking about the coronavirus, right? So we are very adamant that we're gonna stay open, but goodness knows if we have to close, then what are we gonna do? And it was a wonderful conversation today about, okay, we could set up this sort of online communication, right? And we could, we could give kids um, almost like a passport with all the things that they have to accomplish uh, in terms of developing knowledge, but we could allow them to show us their knowledge through whatever them. So right now in our high school, we're studying, uh, we're just moving into Jim Crow. We did everything from the constitution all the way through reconstruction. We're moving into Jim Crow and they'll be assigned some reading uh, and studies. One child may submit drawings, one child may animate, one child may make a movie, one child may make a podcast, one child may write a seven page paper. You know, they're going to communicate what they understand in ways that are meaningful to them. And that, that's why not, why not? You know, why not? Why are we saying no to those sorts of things? I bet you say that a lot, the way you work. Why not, right? Or how, how can we, right? Anything is possible. So everything, everything that comes, it is so rare to hear the word no here. What you hear here is anything is possible. You know, why, why do you want to do that? What, tell me why, you know, like why bother is a question that we ask. Why bother doing that? Okay. That's important to you. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, uh, what are your questions around it? How, how are you going to do it? 
who, where are you going to do it? What mentorship do you need? Do you need money? Do you need supplies? Do you need a space? Do you need, you know, how much time do you need? I mean, we ask our children constantly to write proposals. So, so you know, probably the biggest drag for some kids is they come to with some idea. I have an idea. I, you know, I want to make a remote control car and I want to put a plow on the front and I and I want to be able to run it from my couch and plow the the walkway. <laughs> Great. Okay. Why? You know, what made you think of that? Where did that come from? How are you going to do it? What's it going to cost? You know, we go through all that. Write a proposal. Write a proposal and let us know. And we'll look at it as a team. Sometimes it's the upper team, the lower team, or the whole the whole staff. We'll look at it and we'll see if we can make it happen. And we are truly looking at it with the concept of let's make it happen. This, this, is, this is an amazing idea. Or even, even frankly, this is not such a good idea, but there's something to be learned in every idea. Yeah. And so let's let's make it happen. Let's say yes. And by, by doing that proposal, going through the process, the kid might realize this isn't something that yeah. I want to do. Yeah. 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 Sometimes the proposal, you know, they start to really analyze it. But even then, when a child kind of gets stuck or stumbles, it's not um, we're not ready. We're not readily saying, okay, so bad idea. Instead, we're saying, why are you stuck? Where are you stuck? How can we help you? Mm. So there's another theory. Our teachers are called teacher researchers. And so they're constantly listening and collecting data. So that data, that child being stuck, I want to really understand why. And I want to see if I can't get the child over the hurdle or if, in fact, they've moved on. Sometimes they've moved on just as we do. Um, but a lot of times it's they've seen a hurdle and they can't figure out how to get around it, over it. And then it's our job to really show them through provocation, right? So it isn't to give them the answers, it's to ask them the right questions so they continue to think and think and think and think. Well, Karen, kudos to you and your team. The Voyager School, uh, community school, sounds like an amazing place. Uh, we'll definitely want to get some pictures out when we put this podcast out. Um, we're going to run out of time here, but I do want to get to rapid fire. Uh, you know, I thank you so much for sharing your story. And really, it's it's inspiring to hear that you had this vision and you did it. And here, 16 years later, you're telling me that there's 123 windows in the building. You know every nook and cranny <laughs> and graduates. Yeah. Uh, it's inspiring. Yeah. Kudos yeah. to you and your team Thank there. You. Thank you. Um, and I know we want to get to your uh, the fundraiser too, but how about the last book you read? Uh, Underground Railroad, Colson Whitehead. Great wow. book. I recommend wow. it to everyone. Last movie you saw? Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> favorite, favorite place to travel? Uh, British Virgin Islands, if I want to go to the beach, and Italy or Greece, if I want wow. to. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you're getting into podcasting, obviously, yeah. other than education, leadership, and beyond. What's a podcast you subscribe to? Well, that's interesting because I, I listen to so many of them. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. Um, uh, you know, I listen to the more uh, common ones, Fresh Air and Radio Lab, and so on and so forth. Uh, but we just started an innovation um, and education podcast, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to that one. Cool. You hook me up with one of your students there, and I'll have them on here, and and I'd be happy to come on with them. Great. Terrific. Cool. Yeah. Uh, something that motivates you. Ah, uh, you know, every day. This is a mission. 
Voyagers is a mission. So for me, Voyagers is a proof of concept. And now what really pushes me is to disrupt education. We've had 130 years of traditional education. Despite all of the revolutions that we've had, agricultural, industrial, technological, we have not had an education revolution and it's time for one. Anything that, uh, that helps, helps to move me in that direction, I'm goal oriented for that. That, that's it. That's what keeps me going every day, aside from these beautiful children, beautiful children. Well, they're part of that disruption. And uh, you, you got my attention today, I'll tell you that. Uh, what's a pet peeve of yours? People who put themselves down. Mm. People who put themselves down. You know, we, this is this limiting belief that we have these limiting beliefs. And I'm constantly saying, don't don't start your idea with well i don't think this is a very good idea but it drives me crazy every idea is a good idea everything you say has value and worth everything you say makes me and everyone else think and that's what this is all about we, we need to be thinking breathing people so don't put yourself down i believe we all have a book in us what is the title of your book oh that was a tough question i I think it's something about uh, the magic in education is in the children. Yeah. You got to get the word voyage in there, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the name and I think the vision yes. and the, the, yes. whole, the whole story was great. Uh, how about a short-term goal, three to five months? It can be personal or professional. Yeah. So three to five months ought to be uh, – very, very short term. You mentioned our fundraising. We'll circle back to that. But we have a goal to raise $130,000. And so that's my very short uh, goal. My slightly longer goal is to really um, hit the ground running and, uh, and, and have a say and have a voice in moving education, changing, shifting, disrupting education. I hope that uh, I'm on a speaking circuit. I hope that I'm uh, and whether that's a table with four people or that's a room with 4,000 people, I'm ready, ready to go. Well, and our friend Rich Allen, uh, you know, runs Disrupt Ed TV yeah. and, and certainly connected yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, and I hope we can help get that voice out. Uh, you. If you are a big time donor and you are listening uh, to the podcast, certainly reach out uh, to Karen and, and her school, the Voyagers uh, Community yeah. School, uh, because you are doing it and you're not just saying it, Karen. You are doing it. So kudos to you. How can that big rich donor uh, reach yeah. out to you? What's yeah. the best way for them to get in touch? A couple of things. We have, uh, as I mentioned, we have a, a fundraiser coming up March 19th called Mission 130. It's at the Battleground Country Club in Manalapan, New Jersey. Starts at five o'clock. We're very fortunate to have a, a significant uh, keynote speaker. So Sean Callagy, um is the founder of Unblinded Mastery Formula. He is also an attorney who has won two of the top 10 cases in the United States, uh, very accomplished uh, philanthropist, uh, uh, business owner, so on and so forth. And he's coming to this fundraiser to speak from five to six o'clock and to help people to who want to get to an affirmation, how to get from hello to yes. And that doesn't just mean in sales, it means in anything. For instance, my mission, how do I get from hello to yes to get that stage uh, to convince people to join me in disrupting education. So very, very valuable. But thereafter, 6.30, we will have 
cocktails, we will have appetizers, we'll have live music, uh, we'll have uh, some gifts to auction and amazing memorabilia, Elton John tickets and, and sports memorabilia, so on and so forth. But we're also gonna do a paddle raise and we're gonna try and raise $130,000. And then the lights will go up, you know, and we'll dance the, the rest of the night away. So that's one way. And if somebody's interested in joining us the, uh, to do that, to buy a ticket is VYGRS backslash, no, VYGRS.org backslash mission 130. Mission has to be spelled in all caps. So VYGRS.org backslash mission 130. If you want to make a donation and you can't join us that night, you can go to our website, Voyagers, with an S, voyagerscommunityschool.org. And you can explore. It's a wonderful website. We're, we're so fortunate to have a, a wonderful web development company, Interactive Schools out of England. Uh, they've done a fine job and we keep up with it. But you can, it's chock full. You can go there. You can hopefully find some inspiration, whether you're a parent or somebody who wants to start a school. And that's what I hope will happen, or you want to enroll your student in our school, uh, there is a giving uh, and donations link there, and you can certainly give. Uh, we are very unique in that we have indexed tuition, so it's not a fixed tuition. So in, in tuition is based on income, assets, and liabilities, so it matches what a family can afford. Wow. Uh, and in order to do that, we have to raise funds. We have to raise funds because we probably collect around 70% of 100% tuition. We have to make up that other 30%. And so we do depend greatly. We're a 501c3. It is a tax write-off. We do depend greatly on donations. And Karen, that was March 19th, did you say? Yes. March so that's 19th. Coming, that's coming up. That's right here. Oh, I know. What is it? Uh, 10 days away? Nine days away? Nine days away. Nine days right. away. <laughs> Let's help get that word out. And again, uh, to any of our listeners, I'm certainly going to send you a little something. Um, and I think it's great. You're a, a great spokesperson for education. And certainly you're, you're missing a vision with Voyagers Community School. So I wish you the best. Karen, do you have a favorite quote? Is there something that you look up that, that you know is your, your go-to? Oh, my goodness. Uh, hmm. Caught me on that one. Uh, there's so many delightful quotes. I, I don't, I don't know that I do. Uh, well, let, let's do this. You think about it. When I tweet the show at you at Voyagers NJ, you, uh, you put it back out. Uh, but this is Karen uh, Jeffrey. Karen, you did an amazing job. Uh, you, you really inspired me. Uh, and again, I hope you inspired our listeners, guys. If you are listening, please reach out uh, for that uh, your donation here and your fundraiser. Uh, you are disrupting education, Karen, and, and you Thank should be you. proud of the work you're doing. And uh, uh, I hope uh, education leadership beyond listeners uh, can support you. I am at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. Uh, Karen's at uh, Voyage. Say it. Where is it? Voyagers NJ. Voyagers yeah. NJ. Uh, yeah. And Karen, if they wanted to reach out to you directly, they can get the information on the website at your school. Yeah, they, right? they can email me at director at voyagerscommunityschool.org. Love to hear from anybody who wants to learn more about this. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I will get this music queued up eventually that we'll have our exit out music. Okay. And uh, we went a little over our 30 minutes time, but it was a great story. Uh, and kudos to you and your family and your leaders uh, at your school. Thank you, uh, Karen, for coming and on. An honor. Thank you so much for, for asking me to be on. I appreciate All it. Right. We're signing off here on Education Leadership and Beyond. Continue to go out and do great things in your schools and community and certainly continue to disrupt education like our friend uh, Karen Jeffrey. Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Have you stay on the line a second so we can say goodbye. Here we go. <laughs>